So I want you to listen to this episode, but I also have a homework assignment for you. I want you to go to shaleen.com forward slash workshops. Now the link is in our bio. This week, and I do this every year, this is the week when I teach a week worth of in-depth workshops, the kind of things I normally only do with my private clients. Now, as you know, I coach a lot of people in business and I coach a lot of people who want to start a business or who just want to attract abundance to them. And we have to start with mindset. And that's something I want to invite you to explore after listening to this episode. So do me a favor. You can go to that website and you're going to see that there's a bunch of different workshops. You can pick the one perfectly suited for your current situation. These workshops will not stay up for much longer. So check it out before they expire. Shaleen.com forward slash workshops. Hey, what's up and welcome to this episode of Build Your Tribe. In this episode, I'm going to be playing for you an episode that we have previously released about being born and raised in an entrepreneurial family. But at the end of this episode, I'm going to share kind of an update on what's changed since I originally recorded this episode about a year and a half ago. But of course, the episode in and of itself, I think is still really valuable and interesting for you to hear just kind of what it was like growing up in this family. Maybe if you're trying to raise some entrepreneurial kids yourself or trying to create this legacy within your family, I think this might be really beneficial for you to listen to. So without further ado, we'll get into it. Hey, what's up? And welcome back to today's episode of Build Your Tribe. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than a lot of the other episodes that you'll find here on our podcast. Today is going to be a little bit more off the cuff. I don't have a ton of notes prepared. I have some talking points and some things I definitely want to include, but Today, I'm going to be talking to you kind of on a personal level, talking to you about something that is maybe a heavy topic here at Build Your Tribe, and that's the idea of inspiring your kids to become entrepreneurs. And now, wait, 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 before you close this episode and stop listening because you don't have kids, this also applies if you want your spouse to also be an entrepreneur, or you're trying to teach your siblings to become entrepreneurs, or you want your friends or someone else you're close with to follow this same journey as you. You maybe want your parents to leave their jobs. You want them to become entrepreneurs after working their whole lives. This episode is about how to get someone you love to become an entrepreneur and my perspective on that thought in general. So this episode is for you if you care about someone and you want them to be an entrepreneur or you want someone to see the benefits of entrepreneurship and owning their own business and having a side hustle. This episode is for you if you have young kids, maybe they're infants, maybe they're not quite to the age where they can own their own business yet. Maybe you're going to have kids one day, you're planning on it and you want them to be entrepreneurs. Maybe part of your mission is to inspire others to also become entrepreneurs, to follow their passions, create side income, side hustles, or maybe leave their nine to five altogether and pursue this entrepreneurship business owning world. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about teaching your kids what it takes to start and own their own business. And I'm sure it's a question that may have gone through your head at some point. I know it's definitely a question that Shalene and I both get pretty regularly she gets the question of, what did you do to raise Brock and Sierra? How did you help Brock become an entrepreneur? How did you inspire Sierra? How did you motivate them? How did you make your kids business owners like you and your husband? 
It's a question she gets all the time. And also all the time I'm getting asked, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Were you always running businesses? How, were you always an entrepreneur? Was this always something that your parents wanted you to do? Or what did they do to help you become an entrepreneur? And so I wanted to address that and address these concerns, these wishes, these desires in today's podcast. Let me start by saying that I think it comes from a good place. I think most parents who ask this question have good intentions. They want their kids to be independent. They want them to be able to be creative and think for themselves and problem solve. They want them to be able to be financially independent and make their own money so that either as a kid, they can buy their own video games and gadgets and the things they want, but also so that when they're in college, they're able to provide for themselves or when they're an adult, they're able to pick a career of their choosing. And maybe the parent thinks that they'll have more freedom, they'll have more options if they learn how to be an entrepreneur at a young age. And definitely, those are all good things for a kid to learn. Independence, creativity, self-reliance, like these are things that are definitely good things, in my opinion, for young kids to learn growing up. But also, I think that when we approach it from the perspective of how do I make my kids into X, Y, and Z, I think it's just human nature that the more we push against them and the more we are pushed towards something, the more we're going to push back. And so that's something that I can tell you my parents didn't do when I was growing up. They didn't push my sister or I into becoming entrepreneurs. They didn't sit us down and teach us business lessons. They didn't walk us through the different steps to starting a business and encourage us from step to step and tell us what we had to do and what we couldn't do. They didn't say that we had to be entrepreneurs, but they also didn't say that we couldn't. They didn't say that we had to be a doctor or a lawyer, but they also never said that we couldn't. My parents allowed my sister and I both to experiment. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson learned or the biggest thing that I would share is that the opportunity to experiment with dozens of different things growing up was what allowed me to learn that failure isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I tried a billion different sports. I started a bunch of different quote unquote businesses. I tried to sell things. I tried so many different things. I did art. I did different classes. Everything that you could get your hands on as a little kid, I tried. And my parents encouraged that. They encouraged me to try new things and to experiment. They encouraged me to fail. And I think that taught me, that instilled in me that failing is okay. Failing isn't permanent as long as you learn from those lessons. There's always lessons in the failure. And so as a young kid, I was interested in business and I did start many quote unquote businesses. And I'll explain why I call those quote unquote businesses in a minute. But I did start many businesses and it's not because my parents pushed me into doing so or forced me to doing so or told me I had to. That was just because that was what I wanted to do. And a lot of times, that was only what I wanted to do for a short period of time. That's why I call them businesses in air quotes, because most of these businesses were things that maybe lasted for a few months at a time. Maybe I was reselling products or trying to sell some invention that I made or trying to teach my classmates something and charge them for it or trying to tie my friend's shoes in unique ways just because I got a book for Christmas on how to tie shoes in unique ways and then charging them for tying their shoes in a unique way. A lot of times these businesses that I was starting, they would come and go. They would last for a few months. They would make me 
50 bucks or 100 bucks. Sometimes it was just lemonade stands here and there or cupcake sales or going to local sports fields and handing out water bottles and charging a couple dollars per bottle. These young experiences taught me the basics of business, but I was able to learn these things for myself. My parents weren't making me listen to podcasts. They weren't sitting my sister and I down for nightly lessons at the dinner table. Instead, they let us learn the lessons for ourselves. And this is another key point. They let us watch them. Monkey see, monkey do. They let us come to the office whenever we wanted. They let us sit in on meetings. They let us be in the room or listen to phone calls when business was happening. Monkey see, monkey do. Hey, what's up? I wanted to interrupt this episode really quickly to tell you about the Insta Club Hub. The Insta Club Hub is my mom and I's Instagram coaching membership. It's the only place where you can get our most in-depth knowledge and training on all things Instagram. And I hear you, Instagram can be confusing. There's so much that changes all the time and there's so much you could learn. I mean, there's so much that changes like every single week with Instagram. And so that's why our goal in the Insta Club Hub is to make things as simple as possible so that you can know exactly what you need to do on a daily basis to not only grow your Instagram, but start converting your followers into customers. Start actually making money from your Instagram account. That's our goal. That's what we want to teach you to do. We want to make it as simple as possible. In the Insta Club Hub, you get dozens of quick bite-sized lessons where you literally get to look over my shoulder and watch me click the different buttons on my phone so you can follow right along with me. We also have two live trainings every single month. It's the only place where you get guaranteed two live trainings from my mom and myself every single month. If you ever have to miss one of those lives, there's always a recording of them available. There's also a powerful Q&A section where if you ever have any Instagram technical difficulties or challenges, we have experts to help you get them fixed. I can't rave enough about the results that people are getting from the Insta Club Hub. We're talking about thousands of new followers in a super short amount of time. And like I said earlier, most importantly, converting those followers into customers. So I can't stress it enough. I highly encourage you to join Insta Club Hub today. The link is in the show notes below this episode. And of course, you can just visit Insta Club hub.com to join. Anyways, back to the episode. My sister and I got to learn from example. We got to watch our parents and watch them live what they preached, practice what they preached. A big part of our family life growing up and something that we knew was a value for our family was the freedom that my parents had. The freedom to take us to school, pick us up from school, be at practices, be at sports games, things like that. And we also recognize that a lot of our friends' parents couldn't do those things. Maybe one of their parents worked a nine to five or both of their parents worked and they couldn't be picked up from school at the same time every day or their parents couldn't go to every single one of their games. And we recognize that because our parents were entrepreneurs, because our parents owned their own business, they had those freedoms. So we were able to learn these things and see these things firsthand rather than just having them preached to us by our parents or some podcast that our parents made us listen to. Also, when we were growing up, the flip side of that coin was also true. We got to see the negatives of owning a business. We got to see the tough times. We got to see the late nights. We got to see the struggles of growing and owning a business. 
And I think that actually allowed my sister and I to be better prepared for what owning a business was really like. If my parents only told us the good things or only allowed us to see the positives and the benefits, then when we tried to grow our own businesses in the real world and we were met with obstacles, that would be something new, something unexpected. And my sister and I might not have responded so well. But because we were raised being shown the full picture of what it was like to own a business, the strengths, the weaknesses, the pros, the cons, the highlights, and the lowlights, we knew what to expect. And I think that point right there is extremely applicable, especially to the network marketer community. Oftentimes on social media as network marketers, we are just promoting the highlights, the best possible things, the the benefits, why we love it, why it's been life-changing for us. And we're failing to acknowledge that there have been any tough times. We're failing to acknowledge that there might have been a slow start. We're failing to paint the full picture. And so, number one, it comes across as pretty inauthentic because there's not much in the human experience that is perfect and that exists without any sort of struggle or tough times. So it comes across as pretty inauthentic. And then, number two... If you do have someone join your team or sign up underneath you in a network marketing organization and you haven't told them before about the tough times you might have experienced or the struggles to grow you might have faced early on or any of the pitfalls or valleys or low points in your business, then when they hit those things, they won't be ready for it. It will shock them so much more and they're more likely to quit. They're more likely to give up. They're more likely to be less resilient because they're not prepared. So when we're talking about our network marketing organization opportunity or when we're talking about the products in our business, it's important to paint the full picture, to allow your audience to see the good and the bad and make the decision for themselves. And if it's as life-changing as you say it is, if being an entrepreneur has done for you what you think it has done, then painting a picture of the pros and the cons will still leave an image at the end of the day that highlights what you want to highlight, that promotes what you want to promote, whether that's your business, whether that's entrepreneurship in general, whether that's your network marketing business or organization. Now, one thing that my parents did do in terms of like actually helping us and guiding us along the way was they were there for support. They were our biggest cheerleaders to say that our ideas were great, that we could try it, that let's figure it out. Let's see how to make this work. Let's see if this is an option. Let's explore this opportunity. They were always there to be our cheerleaders. And that's something that is definitely something that you can apply to your own children, your own family, your own spouse, your own friends who you're trying to get interested in your business opportunity is to be their cheerleader and If they express an interest, if they want to get involved, if they want to maybe learn about entrepreneurship or they want to learn about how to create a side income even while staying at their nine to five, or they want to, you know, just explore, hey, hey, what is this network marketing business even like? Or what is this product you sell? What what is it even for? Is it for me? Like, what, what even is it? Then once they have asked you and they've given you this opportunity, they've given you permission, if you will, to help them and guide them, then it's absolutely okay, in my opinion, to do so. And I think my parents did a good job of that. If we asked questions, if we needed guidance, if we wanted help in starting a business, they would help. A perfect example of this was starting my Unwrap Snap business 
my first, what I'll call my first legitimate business, my freshman year of college. It was August of 2016, and my mom came out to visit me in Georgetown because I was across the country, and I was pretty homesick. I was away from home, really for the first time, and not just a couple states away, but on the opposite side of the country, west coast to east coast. I was pretty homesick, so my mom flew out and spent a few days just hanging out with me in Washington, D.C. While she was there on that visit, I expressed to her that I felt some guilt around financial independence. I didn't want to just rely on my parents to pay for everything, to pay for my food and my board and my tuition and my clothes and everything. I wanted to start providing for myself. I wanted to be able to buy my own groceries, take my friends out to eat, go to the movies and just do the things that a normal college student would do. But I wanted to provide them for myself rather than having my parents provide them for me. That was a need that I expressed to my mom. And then she basically explained to me that, you know, you have a few options here. You could get a job, you could start working online for someone, or you could create your own business. And it was at that point that I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds good. I, I, I want to start my own business. Can you help me with that? And of course she did. And I remember we stayed up till 2 a.m. in her hotel room, just spitting around business ideas and throwing out different names and different products and different problems I could solve. And really that was where we started. Is She said, what problem can you solve? What problem do other people have that you can solve? And I said, well, there's a problem that a lot of kids are on Snapchat and parents just don't know how to use Snapchat. So for young kids, parents don't know how to keep their kids safe on Snapchat. And for older kids who might want to communicate with their parents through Snapchat, they can't because their parents don't know how to use it. That was a problem that I recognized. And it was a problem I knew I could solve because I had just gotten done teaching Brett and Shalene how to use Snapchat so that I could just snap them throughout my day in Georgetown rather than trying to text them constant updates and send them pictures via iMessage. I could just snap them much easier, much faster. So I knew it was a problem and I knew it was a problem I could solve. It was from there that she kind of led me through the different steps of getting my domain name and figuring out how I was going to solve this problem with a course and how I could promote the course and how I could launch it and what it would take. She helped me once I expressed that I wanted help, but she let me get to that conclusion on my own. I didn't leave for college and she said, well, now that you're leaving for college, you know, you're going to want to provide for yourself. So you need to start a business. So figure it out. She also didn't say, you know, you're going to college soon and you know, in order to make money, you're not going to have time for a job. You better do entrepreneurship. It's the only thing that's going to work for you. And here's a list of reasons why it's going to work for you and why you want to do it and why you shouldn't do anything else. No, she allowed me to reach that conclusion on my own, ask her for help. And then she provided the help once I asked. So really the moral of this story and the moral of this whole podcast episode is that in order to get someone to want to follow your steps in entrepreneurship, in order to get someone to want to join you in business or to become a part of your organization or a part of your team, the focus should be on walking the talk. The focus should be on practicing what you preach. Let your example lead to their curiosity. Then once they're curious, you can lead them further. You can give them instructions. You can help them and hold their hand along the way. But in the early stages, when you're first trying to introduce someone, when you're trying to get them to convert, when you're trying to open someone's eyes to this new opportunity or to entrepreneurship in general, I think 
the best way to go about it is to live a life that other people want to live, to live a life that you want to live, to live a life of freedom and joy and independence, to have the things that you are actually preaching everyone else can get from your business. It seems contradictory if you're talking about the financial gains and the financial opportunity of your business, yet you're constantly selling, constantly doing sales, and constantly promoting. Because someone who is constantly trying to get more money doesn't seem like someone who's very secure with their financial status as it is. Sorry if that was a little bit too tough love for you. But really, again, bottom line, set the example and lead by example. If your friend, your follower, your spouse, your family member, if they feel inclined to join, if it's on their heart to follow you in this opportunity, they will. And that's someone who you would much rather have on your team or much rather in the same business or in the same world as you, rather than someone who got tricked into this opportunity or someone who fell victim to a good marketing ploy. I would much rather have someone who was truly inspired, who understood the full picture, and then who asked me for help and guidance in making the leap. So now as I sit here a year and a half later, I don't think that there are any redactions or anything that I would take away or remove from what I said in that previous episode, but there are some things that I do want to add. Two things specifically. Number one, there was a rule that I think we found out about this rule after the fact, but this rule was practiced while we were growing up. And this rule was one that my parents had with each other. And it specifically pertains to the way that they spoke to us in order to develop a healthy or or productive growth-focused money mindset in us. And that's that they never used the words broke or poor. They never said things like, oh, we can't afford that. Oh, that's too expensive. They never compared wealth about, oh, look how rich those people are. Look how poor those people are. Oh, look how expensive this car is. Look how inexpensive or how cheap this dinner is. They never talked about money in that way. If there ever was something that we truly couldn't afford when we were growing up, my mom or my dad would say, let's figure out a way to pay for this, or let's figure out a way that you can buy this, or let's figure out a way that you can make money in order to afford this. So it was all about, let's figure it out. Let's come up with an idea. Let's problem solve. Let's, you know, find the solution in order to make this possible. Nothing was ever impossible, period. Things might be unrealistic right now or things might be, you know, not in the cards currently, but that yet was really big. That word yet, you know, we can't afford that yet, but let's figure out a way that you can save money for this. And also there was an emphasis on my sister and I being the ones to make or save or generate this income. And that kind of brings me to the second point that I wanted to bring up that I didn't in this original episode. And that was from a very early age, this wasn't universal, but from a very early age, my parents helped us pay for things ourselves so that we took ownership in making our own money, spending our own money, deciding what we wanted to purchase, when we wanted to purchase, and that sort of thing. So for example, if I was like, mom, there's this new video game coming out. Can I buy it? Please, please, please. Can I buy this new video game? Can we buy this? She would say, we will not be buying you that video game, but 
you are welcome to pay for that on your own. Would you like help in figuring out a way to make money for that or to save money for that? Or would you like help in figuring out a way that you can afford that video game? And so again, like I said a minute ago, this wasn't a universal thing. It wasn't like my parents never bought us gifts or never bought us toys or never bought us anything new. But let's say it was the middle of January and we just had Christmas. My mom might be like, well, you just got a lot of gifts for Christmas. So let's figure out a way that you can save up and buy this game for yourself. So I learned from a very early age about reselling and trade-in value and how I could keep my things in nice condition so that a year or two after I bought them, I could sell them on one of those apps or really back in the early 2000s, what I would do is take my video games into GameStop. Shout out to anyone who knows what I'm talking about, but take my video games into GameStop and trade them in and get some cash back so that I could buy the newest Pokemon game. But from a very early age, my parents taught my sister and I through practice that if we wanted something, there would be a way that we could afford it. Even if I only had $3 in my little tiny duct tape wallet, there would be a way for me to sell some things, maybe resell some items, maybe do a lemonade stand, maybe start one of those quote-unquote businesses that I referenced in the previous podcast, but that there would be a way. There would always be a way. Where there's a will, there is a way. And also, a, a really another concrete example of this is that from a very early age, my sister and I understood that we would be essentially paying for our own car. What my parents actually said is that whatever we raised for our first car, they would match that price. So if we raised $3,000 by the time we were 16 to buy our first car, my parents would match that so that we could essentially buy a car that was double in value. Well, I understood that from a really early age, and that was a really big motivating factor for me from a really early age. And I also knew I didn't want my parents to pay for half of my car. I understood the pride that came along with buying my own Nintendo DS when I was 13. And I was like, hey, if I have that pride, you know, as a kid buying my own video game, I want to have that same pride when I'm buying my first car and driving it to school. I don't want to be the kid whose parents bought them a cool car. I want to be the kid who is able to buy themselves a cool car. And so from a really early age, like a real young kid, I started saving with the idea that I was saving money in order to buy my first car. So that was something that my parents taught us at a very young age and that they expressed very clearly and explicitly to us from a young age is that they would match whatever we raised for our first car. So we understood that and we could save for that. And we understood how to save for that and how to make money for it. Some other examples where this might apply For you and your child, like I said earlier, you know, it might be video games or a toy that they want or whatever the latest gadget is that they want. It might have to do with college. We never spoke too much about college and paying for college when we were growing up because we were athletes. And my sister and I, I think both kind of assumed that we would get scholarships to pay for college. If I'm being totally honest, that was something that looking back, we probably shouldn't have assumed. My parents probably had college savings for us, but my sister and I never really thought about that growing up. I think we were just like, yeah, we'll be athletes, we'll get scholarships, but maybe that's something that you want to talk to your kids about is, hey, you need to save for college and however much you save for college, we'll match you for your college tuition, something like that. But just expressing clearly to your children, and it doesn't have to be universal, it doesn't have to be 100% of the time. 
but just teaching them that lesson that if there's something that they want, there's a way that they can afford it. And avoiding using terms and saying things like, oh, we're too broke, we're too poor, that's too expensive, we can't afford that, we're too cheap, we're, we're being frugal, staying away from those things and really developing the mindset early on. And as always, thanks so much for listening and happy networking. Hey, it's Kristen, Shaleen's podcast manager. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, could you go and leave a review for Shaleen and Brock? Let them know what it is you liked about this episode, what really hit home, and what would you like them to cover in a future episode? And while you're at it, could you just double check to be sure that you are subscribed? That way, if you're subscribed, you won't miss a single episode, which is released every Tuesday and Thursday. Did you know that Shalene has another podcast called The Shalene Show? It's all about living your best life. She gives you tips about improving things physical, mental health, mindset, habits, relationships, nutrition, fitness, sleep, and so much more. She has the best interviews also. But if you're already subscribed to both Build Your Tribe and The Shalene Show, you really should go check out Patreon. Did you know The Shalene Show is now on Patreon? Shalene gets super personal, spills the tea on everything she can't on her other podcasts. You also get to experience Brett completely unfiltered, completely confident, and completely hysterical. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash The Schleen Show. Anyways, thanks for listening. Remember, anything referenced in this episode, including links to all the other podcasts, can be found below in the show notes.